You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Wednesday, October 13th, and the Braves just punched a ticket to the NLCS, and they'll be joined by the Dodgers or the Giants. We aren't exactly sure yet. They're currently playing, and they're in the bottom of the first inning. The Dodgers are ahead 1-0, to zero, but the Astros are in. The Red Sox are in. How are you feeling? You know, I'm just glad. I'm glad the Braves salvaged us a little bit. Like, we had right. to wear our clown hats and our masks to work today. Uh, the first thing I thought of when I woke up is just like, I'm a joke. I'm an absolute joke. Uh, but at least now Braves win. So we, we look good on that one. That was an underrated one. That was an underdog. We got was the an underdog. underdog. We were wrong on the Red Sox time and time again. And we yes. can wear that one. The Red Sox have something magical going on. They really do. Uh, but I think the Braves have a little bit of something going too. Freddie Freeman in the eighth inning off of Josh Hader. I tweeted this off the main account. Josh Hader had not given up a home run since July 28th. Well, not a great time to give up that next home run. Freeman, guys, is fucking stud. Not a great time to give up the home run. And Sarah Langs came out with two fire tweets back to back. And I just like to read them to you. Batters with multiple home runs versus Josh Hader. That includes the postseason. Eugenio Suarez has three. And Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, and Starling Marte have two. That's the list. Wow. And think about it. Freddie hit it off a lefty. I was going to say, left closer in baseball. And another tweet, Freddie Freeman's home run was the Braves' first go-ahead home run in the eighth or later of a series-clinching game. And, of course, it was Freddie Freeman. I mean, how much money is he going to get in the offseason? He better get a lot. He better get a lot because he's a free agent. I would assume that the Braves are going to give him whatever he wants. If they don't, baseball's messed up. Uh, so I assume he's going to get whatever he wants. He's a first baseman, though. So like we're, we're looking at it as it scales to first base contracts. It's a little unprecedented. Get a vote Joey Votto type of deal, but it's a different time now. So more than that, probably throw another 30, 40 million on that, maybe more. I think he pushes 250, and I would pay him it. He brings so much of that team beyond just his actual numbers, which are sick as hell, too. Yeah. He's just, he is that team. The, the Braves, Freddie Freeman is the Braves. 
And and we got to keep talking about the Braves, the Astros, and the Dodgers Giants, and all the other series, Red Sox and Rays. But we do have a TikTok mailbag. We have a bunch of questions to get to that was asked on our Twitter at just BB Media, on our Instagram at just baseball fans. But I guess to follow up on the Freddie thing, it's just the same old story, right? A guy who has been an incredible hitter and is approaching his 30s and is going to get an enormous contract. And when you say 250, he's, I mean, Freddie Freeman's fantastic, and he's been one of the best hitters in the league. He won an MVP in 2020. But when you say 250, it's a lot of money. But then I also think speed is not his game. Oh, he's also never like fine wine, baby. He'll age like fine wine because he's such a good hitter. That's maybe a guy I'd be more comfortable with giving a long-term contract than dare I say, even an Aaron judge. What do you think about that? I think that's fair. Like Aaron judge is obviously the more valuable player at a more valuable position at this. I agree. And you know, two fifty would would probably be too much given that you know Freeman's already like you pointed out on the other side of thirty. So let's say he gets a six year deal. What does that look like? Scale it out. But he still the- might get seven. I mean, what's what's to stop them from signing him into his age forty season? I agree. I agree. And maybe even front loaded a little bit. I I think that you look at his what he means to the Braves. I would say that he means as much to the Braves as Aaron Judge means to the Yankees. I'm not saying that oh, they're both agreed. Player, but I think that's how you have to look at it. So if you can afford him, which I know the Braves can, you got to give him that deal. It is tough though, because I will say you look at the contract that Joey Votto guys just pulled this up. You know, he, he got that contract when he was a little bit younger, if I'm not mistaken. And Freddie Freeman, he, he's going to get a deal at a weird time. How often do 32 year olds hit the market after an MVP season and then followed that up with a great year and a playoff run now? At 32, it's a really weird spot. It all kind of timed up unfortunate for his his contract status as it went through. But yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he's gonna he's gonna get minimum five years and a lot of money. And I think you're right, he could get as many as seven, and he deserves whatever the hell he gets. We're talking specific figures, but we shouldn't because we should just appreciate the guy that Freddie Freeman is hitting a go-ahead home run off the best closer in baseball, a lefty lefty matchup. And he took it left center. Let's talk about Charlie Morton getting pulled early. I know the Braves won, but you had a great tweet. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and and I, I'm like owning it now because this always happens in the playoffs. I don't want to be that asshole. That's just always playing uh, the Monday morning quarterback. And like, that's why I literally prefaced it with like, I'm putting my, my armchair freaking manager hat on and I'm going to, I'm going to say that I didn't like it. Um, And I'm looking at the notifications I'm getting in now of people actually pulling up an old tweet and saying it happened. I've never had that happen to me. Usually it's, I get dunked on. It was, (laughs) you were right about the Braves. Wow. That feels good after the last 24 hours about uh, what I said with. uh, Can I say one thing about that too? I could be three in one of my predictions. I could win every bet, but the Red Sox fans, they want me to die. I mean, I would it want you to die. No matter if I hit this, and then it's like, oh, I lost the Red Sox. You're the worst. It's you so suck. funny, though. There you was one comment anything. today. There was one. There was one. I, I hit on the Giants' money line. They still hate it. Plus 185. You hit it, too. They still don't care. Yeah, they cash that check, and then they literally go back to just chirping you. Like, thanks for the money, Peter, but 
you were wrong about this one. And, but I never take it too close to home because it is fun. And I know it's, it's not it's gambling just baseball advice. at the end. And it's not gambling advice. And it's just baseball at the end of the day. So I mean, it's, it's not that deep. No, it's not that deep. It's not that deep. But it is that deep at the same time. It is that deep. <laughs> uh, Charlie Morton is one of the best big game pitchers ever. Snitker goes to Jesse Chavez. Chavez. Uh, to get the eight hitter in the fourth, meaning the number eight hitter in the lineup in the fourth. So Morton would have had eight, which was Lorenzo Kane. Then you would have had the pitcher spot with one out, then back to the top. So at that point, I'm thinking like you, you go for it. Like you just leave him in there. Even if he doesn't get Kane, he walks him. Bases are loaded. Now you have the pitcher spot. Now there's two outs. You assume you retire him and the base is loaded. It's still advantage to Morton at that point. Yes. He short armed a few curveballs, as Ethan Badowski pointed out in the stat or in the chat, excuse me. But when I looked at the situation, I'm like, okay, the Braves have a pretty bad bullpen overall. It was better in the second half, but it's not a great bullpen. I'm not confident about it. It's game four. So you have a game in your favor and if you lose this one, which you were in a bad spot at that point in the fourth inning with two outs, now you're using your whole bullpen. And then in the fifth game five, I mean, you're going to be in trouble. Like your bullpen's going to be thin and you're going to have to pray for, for a gem from either Ian Anderson on short rest or, or somebody else. So when I look at what they did here, or Max Fried, of course, too, I, I don't know what you would do. I think you'd probably piggyback both, but I just don't like going, pulling your, big guy. That's your money guy in big games at the bottom of the order. And it worked out because Chavez got the out after he gave up a run. But I think Morton could have done that easily and then eaten a couple more innings for them. My thing is also, who are you scared of in the Milwaukee lineup? Yeah, we picked the Braves for a reason, because going into the playoffs, this team had an OPS below 700 and their best hitter, Christian Yelich, had a 645 OPS. You go to the top of the lineup. Let's say you got through Kane or whatever, and, and that stuff happened. Let's say he's at the top now. Colton Wong hit 067 for the series. Yeah, I get he's a lefty, but come on now. I don't he care. Over three. And we you have more confidence in this game, too. And then we even move on to Willie Adamas. Are you that scared of Willie Adamas? Not I know right he hit now. 294 in the series. He actually had a great series. But then you keep going. Yelich hit 200. Avisel Garcia hit 133. I know Rowdy Tellez hit the home run, but he hit 200. I, where in the lineup am I that afraid where I need to pull one of, like you said, one of the best postseason pitchers ever who was shoving still and could have kept going, but we're cutting hairs here because the Braves ended up winning, but that's a huge storyline. If the Brewers win that game oh, and then behind yeah. Corbin Burns win game five, that's huge. It's huge. And that's the problem. It's like, I think they were looking at it from the lens of we need to win this ball game. Cause even if we have freed and maybe Anderson in relief, we're going against Corbin Burns in game five, and that's going to be a problem. But I still think you you were legitimately putting yourself in a bad spot for both games by pulling Morton. It worked out again, but Chavez could have easily blown up a little bit more. He still gave up the run. He gave up the base hit to, to he Lorenzo Cain. literally gave up the run. Who I think Morton would have done that at the very worst and then would have got the sacrifice bunt and did the same exact thing. So I was just more upset because I love seeing Morton do his thing in the big games. Right. And yeah. you know, you know what, Snitker, I've heard Brave. No, we talk about this on no team fans like their manager, no matter how far he takes them. But I know Brace fans don't like Snicker from what I've from what I've heard. Uh and in-game management's part of the questions that they get. And it worked here. Overall, it worked. I think you more so have to tip your cap to the Braves offense for this one yeah. and, and their defense. But we'll see how Snicker manages here 
and what's going to be a really tough series for them, getting the winner of the Giants and the Dodgers, he's going to have no margin for error in that one. Let's talk about Astros White Sox. Astros took it in four. They won yesterday 10 to one. And all the talk was, are the uh, Ryan Tapura, are the Astros cheating when they were at home scoring a bunch of runs? They come back to Chicago, put up 10 in a commanding win and blow them out on their own field. A few things. I love that you brought this up with the cheating. Just such a bad look. Like, I understand the Astros have a history of cheating. If the Astros are that bold, honestly. I was saying, are they that dumb? No, there's no (laughs) shot. There's no shot. I mean, these guys are having great years. They want to show that they can win without cheating. I would assume that these guys know they're good ball players, like Correa, Altuve, McCullers even, you know, the other players involved would be like, no, we're not cheating. But what about the new guys? You think Michael Brantley's on board with that? No shot. Like, I just don't, I don't see that being the case. And that's something you got to be pretty damn sure of before you try to bring that accusation again, especially when you're getting your ass handed to you. It's just, it's just a bad look. And Tapera ended up getting shelled and like, <laughs> it makes it look even worse. I'll say the White Sox were a huge disappointment, not just because I wanted to make them my World Series pick to try to be a contrarian, but you're also dead. just because... They were just non-competitive. They were just non-competitive. They could have been like a really- so much more efficient and effective out of the bullpen. Kimbrell was bad. Uh, Hendricks gets shelled in the last game. The starters were inconsistent. There was nobody on that entire roster that they could really say when they put in like, oh, he should be all right. Like he can he can help us out here. I was nervous for every guy they put in. So remember when we were talking about X-Factors, right? And you called Yasmani Grandal one of your X-Factors for the White Sox. Because you said if he has a really good series combined with the rest of this offense, they can really score. And we were talking about it in, with Jack in the Rays Red Sox, how I, was, I had Nick Pavetta and Tanner Houck. And they were amazing in the Red Sox bullpen. They were able to bridge the gap. And Brandon Lau came in with a 200 WRC plus and eight bombs in the 30 days leading up to the season. And he was basically hitless. I think he was hitless. Did he even get a hit? Over 16, if I remember correctly. And he struck out a bajillion times. And this is not like you picking incorrectly. This is actually you getting the answer right. The White Sox (laughs) didn't score. And Yasmani Grandal hit 143. And I know he probably walked a couple of times but he didn't get the hits in big spots. No, they needed him. They the thing is, Tim Anderson had a good series. Luis Robert, I mean, dude, dude. He is Luis the- Robert next year. Full healthy season. Please. Watch out. MVP candidate. MVP candidate. That's a candidate. good dark horse. We're both going to be, I know we're going to be on that as a dark horse. I mean, because the defense he brings, the speed, the, the offensive, offensive capabilities off the charts. Hit 340. Yeah. And if you average out his home runs to 162, it's at 32 home runs. Yeah, that's insane. Playing gold glove level defense. And dealing with a hip problem, right? It was a hip exactly. problem. You know, you know the only reason why I remember that it was a hip problem was because of your TikTok where you reacted to him dancing and you're like, your hips look fine. It's the only reason I, like, I remembered what the injury was. No, because Luis like, Robert is – because I just – I'm scrolling on TikTok and I'm like, is that – that's Luis Robert. And he's like dancing. I'm like – you're on the IL. You're on the what IL. What are you doing? <laughs> he's, he's, and not just dancing, bro. Like, he's getting into that. Like, his hips were into it. He's like, and grinding. Yeah. And he's on the IL with a hip issue. But that was funny. But he came. One more player. One more player I want to go over. Michael Kopech. Mm. 18 ERA and this playoff series. In the last game, 0 and two-thirds, three hits, three earned. Um, 
I'm going to ask Jack on Friday about that. I mean, is he built for short rests? I I don't know. Is he even a reliever? What is he? Or should they really try him in this rotation? I don't know if he's this bridge reliever. I don't, they're using him as this weapon. I don't know if they're using him correctly. I agree. I agree because he's still pacing himself. So he's not going max effort, hundred miles an hour. Right. He's more, he's still pacing himself like a starter, but he's not getting stretched out like a starter. I would either like to see him in the eighth inning pumping one Oh two, if he can still do that. Or I want to see him as a starter sitting mid nineties and actually working on that secondary stuff because we've seen him in, in spurts here where the secondary stuff is, is good. He's got two viable secondary pitches and I'm like, this guy could easily be a starter. Now we're seeing him in the swingman role, especially on short rest. He just doesn't look as good and he just might not be a guy that can handle that. He was a starter his whole life. I would like to see him back in the rotation. And if he's not in the rotation, treat him more like Garrett crochet, not this tweener, but crochet was pretty bad too. He was all right today. Uh, he, he got the two lefties, but he, he gave up the hit to Bregman. I, I don't blame him as much because, like you pointed out, Bregman kills lefties, and he was put in a position there for failure. Uh, he got his two lefties, but Bregman did the damage. I'm just looking at the box score from this game and just their overall numbers from the series. Jose Altuve hit 313, Brantley at 368, Bregman hit 375, Jordan at 273, Correa hit 385. And the batting champ hit 176, and they still scored 10 runs in the final game. Kyle Tucker at 294. Even Jacob Myers hit 375. This whole team hits like nobody's business. And if we're forecasting, here's Astros, Red Sox. Let's forecast. You look at the offense. Is there that big of a difference? I, I advantage Astros, but the way the Red Sox are swinging it, Right now, not really. I, I'd say it's a wash. I mean, the way the Red Sox are swinging it right now, assuming that Devers is healthy and that wrist isn't affecting him like it didn't in the last game, and JD now has more time to get better. I, I'm more optimistic on JD's health, given that it's just an ankle. Yeah. I mean, those two guys get even healthier. They're already swinging it well. With the way Kike looks, with the way Verdugo's swinging it, I mean, even Christian Vasquez was locked in this series. The bats are clicking for them right now, and I'd put their offense up with anybody's. Starting pitching. Do the Astros have a better combination than Chris Sale and Nadia Valdi? I don't think so. And also your man, Nick Pavetta might get a game. He might get a start. I mean, he was so damn good. Yeah. I, I would go to him in game three or four. If I, if I, if I got, if it came to it, uh, but Erod had a great start. Mm-hmm. Eduardo Rodriguez in his last start. He but pitched the Astros pretty well. Or lefties, right? I mean, they have a seven eighty eight. They have a seventy eight seven eighty eight OPS lefties, seven eighty one against righties. They just okay. it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and like, and then you go. All right, let's look at the bullpens with what Pavetta has been doing. Like you said, Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock, Josh Taylor. These teams are similarly strong and similarly flawed. Similarly, exactly. Flawed. I would say the Astros have the advantage on defense. So you give the Astros the slight edge. But if this game goes to, if this series goes seven and the Red Sox win, I wouldn't be shocked. If the Red Sox went into six, I wouldn't be shocked. I could see either team really just whoever's offense. This is the weirdest thing to say because I always say pitching wins games in the, in the postseason. We've seen that. This series is like the antithesis of what we're going to see or what we've seen in Giants Dodgers. I think that these games are going to be slugfests. 
we'll probably be taking the overs uh, most likely in a lot yeah. of these games. And it was the funny because the Brewers Braves outside of today's game, I cashed the under on every single game so far. I'm I came at five, four. That was stupid. Stupid. And we barely missed. Barely uh, missed. I'll cash. I'll cash these overs. I, I don't think that they're going to be able to really be able. And I think the Red Sox too. One thing I, I think that we saw the White Sox approach in their second outing against Lance McCullers was a lot better. They was. know that Lance McCullers can be one of the more erratic starters in baseball. And they were like, we'll take a strike. Throwing Dude up led the league in walks. Exactly. So they were like, if it's on the edge, let's spit on it. It's a breaking ball. He's always throwing breaking balls that bite out of the zone. Like, let's make him throw multiple strikes, multiple pitches in the strike zone. And he was walking guys and he started to get erratic and it got in his head a little bit. When he's doing his best, it's when the hitters are over aggressive, they're expanding the zone, and he can just ride that curveball 24 consecutive times, as Jack always also point out. This is a little bit different. I think the Red Sox are a bunch of hitters with phenomenal approaches, and they saw that. They saw that and they are going to be patient. And I think they're going to give McCullers fits. I really do. Uh, but I, I also too. think I also think it's going to go both ways. And the, it's not going to be easy on uh, the Red Sox pitchers either. But I could see Eovaldi twirling a gem for them. And that could be the difference. Quick update. Dodgers are currently winning one to zero. I think that series is going to go five. We both talked about it. We both wanted to take Dodgers money line. We saw minus 175. And we're like, I'm not taking that against the Giants of old. I mean, Giants, it could be. Jacob DeGrom versus their five starter. And if you give me a big plus line, like I'll still take it because they figure it out. Yeah. I mean, we cashed on that. Like the, you got to take value. If you're getting a plus 180 on a 107 win team, that should never happen in the history. What are we talking about? Yeah. So I, in this spot, I was just like, I'm not betting against the Dodgers in a must win game. Uh, but honestly, if, if the Red Sox didn't upset the Rays and I had a little bit of extra money in the bank, I probably would have sprinkled a little bit more on that. But, uh, you know, I think the Dodgers pull it out. They've got everybody ready to go because Scherzer gave them seven, which is unreal. Of course he did. So Scherzer giving them seven. It was only 10 or 11 pitches between each of Jansen and Trinan. So everybody's available in this game. It's all hands on deck. I mean, that's going to be a problem for the Giants. I think it's going to be hard to score. And, and we know about Descafani's struggles uh, against the Dodgers. We'll see if yeah. he can hold up as we, you know, we'll find out as we're recording here. But uh, I obviously trust what the Dodgers have going arms wise more than uh, Discofani. Can we talk about a specific Giants reliever for a second? Hmm. Camilo Duvall. Duvall. I knew you were going to say. Oh, that. my God. Insane. This guy's up next. Yeah. That arm is electrifying. 100 killer breaking ball. This guy is a 24 year old right hander who is on the same bullpen staff as Rogers, as McGee, as Leon, and yet is the closer. Yep. That goes to show you also such a smart organization like the Giants. If you have a fantasy team next year, oh. if you are another team looking for relievers, this guy, yeah. Camilo Duvall, is up next. Yeah, I mean, I love what you say about the other guys that they have in the bullpen, yet Duvall is the one getting not only the save, a six-out save. They have the best bullpen in baseball, and he's their closer. Going for six-out saves. I mean, that was the first six time out. he did it, but that was the biggest stage to do Against it. Against the Dodgers. Ethan Badowski did it. Really- up on high-velo righties. All the time. 
Ethan Badowski did a really good write up on it um, on a recap on that game on our website. And it, it was just jaw dropping. Like he, he only had three saves in his career and he's doing it yeah. there. So, you know, that he's got the cojones, like, you know, he can oh, handle, yeah. he can handle the spot and he always said the stuff, but it was the pitchability, Right. And now the giants have helped this guy throw strikes. It, the rich get richer uh, when it comes to development and, and the giants, that bullpen's going to be really good for a very long time. Well, we'll keep you updated as we record on Dodgers Giants, but we got a bunch of questions to talk about, Arm Layton. Yep. Let's go back to the Houston Astros where we have our first question. Is Kyle Tucker a future MVP candidate? And I'll answer it kind of quickly. He already was this season, and he's only continuing to get better. A hundred percent. A hundred answers. I mean, he's a guy who could hit 300 with 30 bombs and play a good defensive right field. I mean, right now. Right now, 24. He's 24. Yeah. Think about that for a second. This guy always had the hit tool. Oh, yeah. And yet he, it pisses me off that he's hitting seventh in this <laughs> Houston lineup when he's been maybe besides Correa, the best offensive player on the team, just shows you the depth and he gets buried under these guys. Yes. But he's seriously one of the best hitters. I mean, he's one of the best hitters on their team, which says a lot. Because their lineup, you could make an argument that all of them are top 10 at their position. Oh, I mean, Michael Brantley is one of my favorite pure hitters in baseball, like throwback pure hitter. Literally. You have Altuve, who's, I mean, we know how special he is. Uh, what, what do you, you mean, Seth? I mean, just the year he had this year as well. Correa, best season of his career at this point. Absolutely mashed. Like, this team is crazy. But Kyle Tucker could very well be the most productive player they have. And I think he's part of the reason why they might be willing to let Correa walk. I know they don't play similar positions, but they know that they are going to get a ton of offense from Kyle Tucker for a long time to come. Altuve is obviously that guy. And you have Brantley who looks like he's never going to age. I personally would rather let Bregman walk. Um, Don't forget the hall of famer Jordan and and then Alex Bregman. Yeah. I mean, come on. I would let you, I would let Bregman walk before Correa. I know that Bregman's going to be a lot cheaper, but that's my personal preference, but specifically on Kyle Tucker, there's a few stats on him that I think really stood out for me because when I look at like, okay, who's a potential MVP candidate, the big thing that weighs down an MVP candidate is one is defense. Uh, you know, if you're just a black hole on defense, it's really hard. And and that's something we saw guys were knocking on Harper and Soto, like who is worse at defense or like who is less bad. This guy is less bad. So he should be the MVP. That was literally the case for Juan Soto. You know, when we're talking about defense, (laughs) Tucker is a plus defender in right. And the other thing that I think weighs guys down a lot is high strikeout volume. It's just too hard to put up the consistent numbers over a 162 scale when you're a streaky hitter. I mean, that's why it was so amazing that Stanton did it and he had to just absolutely lock in and his K rate was actually down that year. What amazes me with Kyle Tucker is this year K rate goes down walk rate goes up, which is always a wonderful combination. And I I got a little arm stat for you players with an OPS over 900 and a K rate under 16%. And this was players that qualify with at least 500 plate appearances. Vlad Guerrero, Jr. Juan Soto, Kyle Tucker. Basically, the, the stat is who is producing the most and striking out the least. Those three guys. Kind of interesting. Dude, that is crazy. It's a good stat, right? And then Vladdy, Soto, Tucker. Who both, I would bet my life on the other two winning an MVP. Bet my life. Bet my entire life. And he's in good company Why? with them. 
And you want to hear something else crazy? I think yes. he was unlucky this year. His batting average was 26 points higher, but his batting average on balls in play was identical to last season. So he really could have been in the two or 310, 315 range. And then at that point, we're definitely talking about an MVP candidate. Uh, I, he could be there I, next year. I might have an answer for this. It might be wrong. Kyle Tucker had a lot of line drives this year. Probably a lot of them caught. I'm sure. I know that's a simplistic way around it, but I almost feel that maybe in seasons past, maybe he got more balls on the ground. He was an above average maybe, runner. And maybe was a bit, may, that's how I'm thinking about it. Cause I just saw Kyle Tucker just, he routinely is just lining balls to the gaps. So I'm thinking maybe more got caught. I don't know. I don't know how to explain. I mean, he was hitting for more power. So he was getting the ball. I don't have the ground ball rates, but it's very possible too. He's also a guy that, you know, I think relied on the legs a little bit more before because he was always an above average runner. But what's interesting with Tucker is his expected batting average was still among the top, top, top in the league. So you could be right. I mean, he was just barreling baseballs. I To answer the question, not only could he be an MVP candidate one day, I think he could be an MVP candidate next year. And I agree. I think Agreed. He was that. an MVP candidate this year. Yeah, really. I mean, he was. he's going to get some votes sprinkled in there. So, so let's I mean, talk about another guy who could be argued was an MVP candidate this year because he set the record for home runs by a catcher. Yeah. The question is asked. Oh, by the way, that was that other question was asked by at Braden Odom. I don't know if I mentioned that, but this question is asked by Grand Mueller. Why is Salvador Perez not a top five catcher? You want to go first on this one or you want me to go first? I want you to go first because, well, you go first because I want to roll off you because I think I know where you're going to go with this and I, I want to roll off. Okay. I wonder, I'm curious to see if you're right about where I'm going to go with this, but let me start with the actual name of the position, which is catcher, catcher. I understand that it's really awesome that he hit 48 home runs and I don't want to take anything away from his power production. I mean, he really had an awesome year. He hit a lot of home runs, but he is quite literally not only the worst catcher in baseball defensively, He is one of the worst defensive catchers we've seen to play this many games uh, over the last year and a half. And I can point to framing, which you can just go to baseball savant and check out, which he's in the eighth percentile. And I don't want to bash Salvador Perez, but we're trying to be like actually provide context to catcher value and catcher value here. Baseball prospectus is my favorite site to be able to synthesize kind of what a catcher is doing defensively. They have two stats that are very solid. One is cold strikes above average, which is essentially framing as well. So if you don't like the baseball savant eighth percentile, he is 108 out of 116 catchers in cold strikes above average, which is actually in the, I'm going to say that's worse than the eighth percentile, right? This is the one that sounds really worse. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, I'm, yeah, that's definitely worse. I don't know the math, but it the sounds math. awful. I'm like, is it on the other side of it? Whatever. <laughs> Fielding runs above average, which takes everything from blocking to throwing runners out to framing all things inclusive of the qualified catchers. There were 84 qualified catchers in baseball for this statistic for baseball prospectus. Salvador Perez ranked 84th. 84 out of 84 with negative 13.3 fielding runs above average. The next worst, the second worst, the 83rd in baseball was negative 10. So he was 3.3 worse than the second worst. I know I'm going really long here, but now I got to go to the offense. 48 home runs. 
freaking sweet. Awesome. I love it. It's, it's really fun to see guys launch bombs. Awesome. 316 on base percentage, though. Like, how are you not walking when people should be absolutely terrified of you? And think about this. Nobody's really behind him in that order either. No, no protection. Why would you pitch to him? Yet they are. <laughs> like, and, and he's not missing the pitches he gets to hit, but he's also like just swinging at everything. 127 WRC plus, which is good, but 48 home runs shouldn't be 27% above average. And this is the thing that is the most telling to me, I think. The company that he's with here. Of the players with 500 plate appearances, these are the only guys who had a lower walk rate than Salvador Perez. Tim Anderson, who's just a contact guy. Jose Iglesias. You can tell me what he is. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. You can tell me who, what, what kind of player he is. Kyle Farmer. What kind of player is he? These are all bat-to-ball contact guys. Scrappy. Won't strike out. And, and just kind of just be annoying. And then Salvador Perez. That's not a group he should be in. And the 48 home runs is great, but a 316 on base isn't going to play. And when you're a terrible defender, it, it, what are we talking about here? It doesn't make him a top five catcher because he rakes. At that point, he's so bad defensively that you might as well put Vlad Guerrero Jr. back there and say, oh, he's the number one catcher in baseball. Because guess what? Vladdy Jr. would rank 85th out of 85. And Salvi would move up to still 84, but just not be the worst. He'd be second to worst. So what are we talking about here? That's where I thought you were going to go. And you're right. Like, there's nothing that you said that was incorrect. But let me play the other side for a second. Please. Do you think it's hard to catch Jackson Coar and Chris Bubich and Daniel Lynch? All of these Royals guys we talked about in the last episode about how Omar Narvaez is the best pitch framer in baseball. Yeah. How lucky is it for Omar to be able to just plug back that in that backdoor cutter? It's probably the best thing ever. He probably gets a ton of that. Yep. So then I think to myself, well, context. He had one of the most erratic young pitching staffs in baseball going to make it more difficult to frame. And then I look, he's still got an excellent arm behind the plate. Now, is that as important as framing? Not even really that close, but it still matters. He's a good blocker of the baseball. That's an eye test thing, really. I don't have the stats to back it up. He just looks athletic back there. He's a leader. He's been there before. He set the home run record, but the, the framing is telling. I don't know if he's a top five catcher because I go through it. I like Will Smith better. I like JT Romuto better. Yep. I like Yasmani Grandal better. I mean, there's, would you not go? You, you said Will Smith yet? Will Smith. I like Will Smith better. That's the thing is that I know that Salvador Perez had a terrible defensive season in terms of the framing metrics. And that's the truth. And just defense in general, though, like the overall yeah. grade was bad. Like I agree. Grade like, was he's bad. And a great blocker. But where is he messing up here? Because these numbers take in like every pitch ever from the year. I know. So it's like, where is he going wrong? I can't tell you exactly. But to be 84th out of 84. I, I think definitely he has some of the most erratic pitchers in baseball 
And I believe the Royals were sixth in all of baseball and walks. Uh, and I'm sure their starting pitchers were even worse than that. And yeah, that doesn't make it easy, but I just can't believe how far he has fallen from grace defensively. I still think he's awesome, but again, like defense is so important. It might be even more important. It is more important. There's a reason why most catchers can't hit because the focus is defense and he's really bad at the most important. He's the worst at the most important thing at the position. And even if you don't want to argue that it's the most important thing, it's at least 50, 50. And if you're the single worst in baseball at one side of it and the single best at baseball at the other side of it, that's still not top five. And that's just kind of where I reside there. So I am, what I'm going to do is I am going to go on fan graphs right now and I'm going to look at a list. My fan graphs is now all slow. Also the problem with fan graphs is why is it so slow? Because they've got like 30 bajillion statistics and numbers for 30 bajillion players. Like they've got your Yankees Dominican summer league guy that is already starting to get hype and they've got like his batted ball data. Yeah. It's like impossible. I do love, I do love the site, but God, it it just like, it it shouldn't have to shut down my whole computer, but let's get back to it. We both agree. Osmani Grandal is better. We both agree that Buster Posey is better. That's uh-huh. two. We both agree that Will Smith is better. That's three. Mitch Garver is better. <laughs> like I, this is year, he though. I don't even want to say. I mean, he nah. had a fantastic. He I mean, he had year. a really great year. He had a great year this year, but I just give me give me Salvi. <laughs> the problem with not calling him a top five catcher is that there's not that many good catchers. I'll go through again the line. I mean, just WRC plus leaders. He finished sixth. Zunino was another guy. I don't know if I necessarily want Mike Zunino over Salvador Perez or Jason Castro or Jake Rogers or Tyler Stevenson or Wilson Contreras. Max Stassi is a great catcher. Yeah. Carson Kelly. We like there's I'm not saying that your argument is wrong, but when you really look at the catchers, I I actually think he might be a top five catcher. Yeah, I think he's five. Maybe, you know, I'm okay with five. I'm not saying he like is the worst. I think you're making a good point. Like he's definitely right on the brink there. And with his, with his offensive prowess and also the intangibles, which I think are really That's important. The thing. You can't measure that. You can't measure that. And be, because of the intangibles, he's in my he's top a champion. Five. I was more so just making the case of like, this is why we say that he's agreed. Be top and five. you were right. You were but literally right. I, I would still say he's top five. So even despite my entire rant, yeah, I would still say he's top five. The position sucks. The position That's the sucks. thing. And he brings a lot position. to the table. He brings a lot to the table that you can't quantify. And I am willing to value that. We agree. He's near top five, at least on the edge. Toes the People line. call him not top 10 are insane. Yeah, you can you can forget about that. Here's Here's a short one. Who's been your favorite player to watch in the playoffs? A- asked by Big Nate 2144. Who's been your favorite player to watch? We'll definitely have the same one. Because I can tell you who my Wander Franco, and it's not. Close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, dude, hey, what, what, that was mine. Damn it. Yeah, I mean, I knew, and I was positive it was yours. Yeah. I didn't have to. I, I would have put my entire life on it. But like, it, it's yeah. just, it's just what it, it was. So fun. It, you felt like he was going to hit a bomb every time. I know he made the error late in the final game there, but he was so good defensively the whole series. He was fun. He was confident. And what he was doing to the baseball. I mean, that home run to dead center, how hard he was hitting the ball in Fenway Park. 
unfazed. And what Jeff Conine always says on Outside the Box that I love is he talks about a 20-year-old Miguel Cabrera playing in the 2003 World Series with the Marlins. And he goes, Miguel Cabrera had no idea that it was the World Series. Like, of course, he knew it was the World Series, but he didn't even process it. Like, he was like, understand the magnitude. It was another baseball game for him. He he might as well have been playing, you know, a, a high A baseball game and in the regular season. Like that, that's what it was to him. And it seemed the same thing to Wander Franco. Like he just was like, this is just another baseball game. And the fans were already on him. Like they're already, they already was, dread him. The and, marathon happened in Boston and that place was rocking. And who was to hit the home run? Wander Franco. He, he gave Wander them boy. He gave them life. So yeah, you can, you can point at the error, but they're, they don't have a shot if it wasn't for that home run. So that's my answer. But if we want to be different, I guess we both can give a second guy. My second guy. I just loved watching Adam Wainwright. I know it was one game. Yeah, that was sick. That was my favorite. That was just throwback 91 mile an hour fastballs with a hook with Yachty catching him. That was just like, that's ideal baseball. Yeah, that was sick. I, mean, I don't know. That that was just I, my, my I was, nothing fired me up more than 88 getting in on guys' hands. That Literally. was so fun to watch. To the Dodgers. Yeah, to the Dodgers. I, I loved that. That was one of my favorite performances, too. Um, I would say, man, like there's so many. That's what's been so fun about this postseason. I feel like there's been so many guys that so have been many good players. watching. But <laughs> it's kind of wild. This is kind of a stupid one, but this was more so today. Gavin Sheets, I know they got yeah. worked. He was on the ball, bro. Like he, he even his foul balls were tanks. I was like, Gavin Sheets is on it every single time. It he was, was the two of runs. Yeah. And and he hit he had a couple doubles. Like he was he was locked in. That was fun. But Kyle Tucker, right? good to go back to him. He's been raking all he was raking all series. I, I had a blast watching Kyle Tucker play. Yeah. No batting gloves, old school. I, I I love him and the way he plays. And uh I'm excited that we get another series with him because I'm expecting him to put up some big numbers in this one. And also I'm a Yankee fan. I know, but watching JD and, and Rafi Devers hit while injured and battling their team against the hundred win Rays team, who I thought was going to win the championship. Big ups to them. They're grinders. A hundred percent was so cool. Question number four, can the reds be real contenders next year in the central? What do they need to do to make the jump? Asked by at CJJR underscore 13. You go first on this one. All right. It's hard. It's hard because they're probably going to lose Castellanos. Yeah. How many more years is Winker there? Does Wade Miley turn in a similar performance? Probably not. We've talked about this before. Do you believe in Sonny Gray long-term? I like Sonny Gray. I, I'm more optimistic, I think, than most on him. I, I, I like Sonny totally, I totally understand the hesitations. I think he showed flashes this year. Uh, the, the the swing and miss stuff was pretty consistent. The walks were pretty consistent to where he was last year. I believe in him, but also like if I were you, I would not believe in him whatsoever. I want you like you watched him fail up close frequently in New York. So I, I understand that too. Let's move on. Let's keep talking. Oh. Tyler Malley. You like Tyler Malley? He's a good pitcher. See, here's the problem. That's with the, the thing. Like, who do you stake your claim on if you're Cincinnati? Here's the problem with the Reds. Tyler Malley, dramatic splits. Reds dramatic. offense. Reds offense, dramatic splits. That wait, is wait. How- Let's talk about that for a second, just for our listeners. Tyler Malley had an over almost a six ERA at home and an under two ERA on the road. The Reds 
had an almost 800 OPS against right-handed pitching and almost an under 700 OPS against left-handed pitching. You can't, you can't, that's dramatic. You can't do that. You will get bullied in the postseason when that happens. You'll get bullied. One lefty, you auto lose. I mean, they were losing to Dylan Peters. They were losing to anybody. They would have lost to me or you with our left arms. Like, that's how bad it was. No matter what mediocre. We made that joke. We were were out there tossing lefty. No, you asked the question. If you were to go face the Reds in a start, would you throw with your non-dominant left hand or just try with your right? And I think we'd do better with our left. (laughs) Just lobbing it in. I was the actual question. I was like, 80, I'm going to throw 80 down the pike with a mediocre curveball that they are going to murder. Hey, talk there's about something cutter, about, yeah, the cutter I accidentally figured out. I got to, I got to see <laughs> I'll have that thing. Um, most cutters are discovered by accident. And now I just found that really? out. Apparently it's true. Uh, we learned asking, from pitching ninja class A doesn't even try. Yeah. He doesn't try. So I, you know, I'm basically a manual class A, but 80, you know, 78 oh, no. to 80. <laughs> I would throw it lefty, see what happens. Cause clearly there's something wrong with him there. You talk about how bad the splits are to me. Like Winker is incredible. He's incredible. been so good. And Vado is still so good. He still bangs. But those guys are both the, their splits are so bad that they're like they're almost put, like platoon guys. And if you're a lefty platoon guy, you're still going to get 450 plate appearances. But at this point, how bad they were against lefties, you were better off rolling anybody else out there, like any mediocre player. And I think that's what you look at the Giants. Like, imagine if the Reds had a Darren Ruff that they could roll out there, or they had a Lamont Wade that they could roll out there based on matchups, or a Slater, or some of these other players. Like, that would make all of the difference in the world for them. They just didn't have anybody that could combat the lefty, and they would just give in, and they would just lose time and time again. And my problem with the Reds is I'm thinking to myself, was this a team that was actually close, or was this actually a crazy good year by them? Wade Miley, I was talking about. Like all of them had somewhat of career years, but it was dampened by the lower half of their lineup, their bullpen. I mean, come on now. I mean, the lower half of their lineup, can we talk about it for a second? Because I'm watching, I mean, I'm watching these Reds games and it's like Aristides Aquino and Shogo Akiyama. And it's like, Johanio like, Suarez, he's one of the worst. Johanio Suarez, it's like holes. Guys who you have no, have no shot of getting a hit. And when you're, five through nine can't hit. And then if you're one through four doesn't show up, you're auto going to lose. Yeah. But it's not all bleak. Nick Lodolo is coming. Hunter green is coming. We like Jose Barrero. Yep. They, there is a future. I'm just, and I hate to say this as if I, I'm almost saying, I don't know what the Reds do. I would almost argue that the Reds are in the most in-between spot of any team in baseball. And I think Reds fans will tell you that. They know it, and they're like, that's why they're so eager. Like, Do we make the big move? But the problem is they're handcuffed financially, too, because they're paying Joey Votto, which is worth it, but they're also paying Eugenio Suarez a ton. You let Castellanos Uh, walk, you figure they have a little bit of financial flexibility there. But the thing is, he's your dude. Like, you let Castellanos walk. I agree. I agree. That sucks. And I think you have to try to do what the Braves did and replace him with three players, like replace him with multiple guys. I Should would they go, go get Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler, just get those same guys. <laughs> those exact guys and be like, can yeah. we be the Braves now? Um, Mark Hanna. I love Mark Hanna for them. I think if you went and got an Eddie Rosario and a Mark Hanna and you just went matchup dependent out there, 
uh, with those teams or with that team. I think that would be interesting. You could go Mark Hanna and Tommy Pham. I know Pham had a bad year, but maybe if you deploy Pham in those situations, and we'll talk about this when we get to the Giants, if you deploy Pham in like just lefty situations or just spots that you feel like he'll do better in, and then you can have, you know, Winker in the rest of the time and Canna in there, you know, replacing some of the production from Castellanos and providing more defensive value. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think that you can find ways to get value. There's holes even in their best players. Castellanos doesn't play great defense. He has dramatic home road splits. We talk about the splits with Winker and Votto. I just think every player had a little bit like he's good, but, and they need some guys that aren't, but uh, when you talk about how that player performs. I think the biggest what if guy on their team, Nick Senzel. Yeah. I mean, first round draft pick. What do you go? Number two overall. Yep. He's a guy and it's weird. He hit 258 this year. His expected batting average was really high. It's a ball hard. 308. It's a ball hard. He's a great athlete. I think I don't know if it's not. exactly 308, but I know it's over 300. But is there something there? I think the Reds fans are like, I feel like they're just so over it, but I would give him one more shot. I know you have to give him another shot. He's been so hurt. So he'll get a shot to do something too. You got India. You've got some pieces. I think Barrero's ready next year. I like the catching situation. I like Stevenson. I like Barnhart overall as as a guy that you can kind of mix and match back there. I think they're okay. But you, and you've it's got to not find like an the NL Central is that tough a division. No, you can beat up on the Cubs. You can beat up on some of these other teams. Pirates. Uh, the Pirates. You just got to kill those teams and go 500 against the rest, and you probably sneak into a wild card. So I think they have to go for it. Uh, but I just don't know what the Reds' version of going for it looks like because you're going to lose Castellanos. So how do you how do you change that? Uh, how do you re- still go for it after losing your best offensive player? I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Quick update, Dodgers-Giants. Dodgers are up 2-0 in the bottom of the third inning. First five. Going back to the Brewers, and this is a question that both you and I just struggle with, and Jack does too. Does Christian Yelich ever get back to his old self at Hazy 218? Dude, I'm gonna let, I, I want you to start this one because I, I don't want to bash the dude, but like, at some point, do we say to ourselves, this isn't the same Christian Yelich? And maybe it's still just lingering injuries, and I hope he shoves it down our throat next year. But it's not like he was even having good at-bats in this series. Oh, he looked he looked so uncomfortable. I was not afraid of him at all. It was Will Smith against him to end the series. It was That was kind of poetic in itself. It was, it was kind of poetic in itself, wasn't it? It was. Here's the weird thing. Is you know like his max exit velo is still top six percent in baseball, but the average exit velo is down a ton. It's down a ton, and I do think that there's there's just something wrong with his with his lower half. We know that the back has been an issue. His average launch angle is the lowest it's been basically in his entire career, uh, besides his 2016 season. A big reason why he was able to be successful again and or you know, break out and turn into this player that went from, you know, more of a contact oriented guy to a power hitter was that he was backspinning baseballs. He was getting them in the air more, not the case this year, really just beating balls into the ground. And it, to me, it just tells me he's getting out of his legs. I think there's something going on with his lower half. I think there's something going on there. He's even been slower in the outfield. Yeah. Not quite the same. He's still great with the sprint speed, but he's just slow to get going. Sprint speed, obviously, is kind of measures like your top speed, too, as well. 
I just don't know if he is right. We know he's not. I think he's going to be okay because I think that this season was so miserable for him for a 162-game scale. I think he's going to explore all options as to how he can get himself right because he's too talented. I'm sorry. You don't do what he did. I just believe in him too much. Yeah, you don't do what he did in 2018 and 2019. Should have been back-to-back MVPs. Came in second because he broke his kneecap. Should have been back-to-back MVPs. He's 29. You think his body just like took a toll and fell off? I think he's had some nagging injuries. I think the 60-game season into this year has affected him. I'm going to say I'm giving him one more year before I sound the alarms. And Agreed. I, I, I want to give him this full normal offseason to get right, and we'll see what happens. See, I was going to go deeper into it. I think that's just we leave it at that. One more year, Christian Yelich. He earned it. If you come back and you're the old Christian Yelich, opening day, I'm I'm with it. Like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. But if not, we're going to let you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to let you know. Speaking about those Giants. How did the Giants go from the team that's old and can't play to the best team in baseball that everyone still doubts? And this is asked by our boy Darius. Darius, yes, they average of their position players the highest average of age at 30.6 years. You know how they did it? They're smarter than us. Everybody. They platoon. They pitch. They play defense. Their bullpen, like we said before, is locked down. And beyond all that, this team plays together. They play loose. They, it's obvious that they have full trust in their manager. They have full trust in their front office. This seems like a team that is playing with nothing to lose, and that is so Dangerous, and they've got guys that have been there, man. Like yep. they've got guys that have been part of a they got Hall of Famers on the roster. Yeah, and part of a dynasty, right? You got Crawford, who was there for all of it, uh, for the, some of the best stretches we've seen. Winners, in modern era. You've got Posey. You've got Belt. All of these guys were there, uh, and then you even got like guys like Johnny Cueto, who's been there in other situations as well, and he was a contributor for them during the regular season. I know he was banged up, but you look at his numbers, you're like, wait. Johnny Cueto did that this year. Like he was a really solid back end guy for them. It was top to bottom. It was a whole uh, concerted effort from the whole team. But I think you, you talk about the platooning and that was the big thing because they're so old, you know, and so old at 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> How were they able to really dominate and get the most out of their players, get the most bang for their buck, if you will. And it's the platooning, like you said, but to take it a step further, most teams I feel like are only looking for eight position players in their pitcher or, you know, the ninth, the DH. And then you're like looking for bench guys. The giants were like, no, we're going to get 11 guys that are like starter caliber. They might have a little bit of a hole in their game. And we're going to put them in situations for success. Like Darren Ruff, like Lamont Wade, like these other guys. And you look at the numbers. It's exactly what they did. They have basically 15 different giants had at least 200 plate appearances. 15 different Giants had 200 plate appearances. Only two had more than 500 plate appearances. So everybody was fresh, but they were going to 15 different dudes. Like they had a level of everybody contributing, but also keeping guys fresh that I think is just an unbelievable combination. And you speak now while I plug my charger in because my phone, my, my computer's getting low. Well, first I want to talk about, there is Nobody on their team, and to speak to your last point, there is nobody on their team who's bad. Everyone around the diamond 
you'll go through their pitching staff. Kevin Gosman, Logan Webb, Descalfani, Cueto, Alex Wood, name me a bad starter. You go to their bullpen, Duvall, Leon, McGee, Rogers, show me a bad reliever. You go all over the infield. There's no bad players. You can make the argument, I guess, that like Evan Longoria was their worst, I guess. Great for the only home run. And then I'm just also thinking it's like Giants. The platoon of Tommy LaStella and Donovan Solano. It's just sick. Picking apart the right matchups, lefties, righties, putting them in positions to succeed. Then you got the Darren Ruffs of the world. Nobody on the team is bad. Everyone is above average. And that's what I saw in the Rays as well. But what separates the Giants and the Rays is the Giants have been there and the Rays have not. And maybe the experience of the Giants and that old thing that you're talking about is actually what gave them the advantage over the young and inexperienced race. Not to saying they face each other, but just in terms of we're projecting what these teams might look like. And you might say, okay, the Rays got taken out. Let's say the Giants could still lose this series, but they're facing the goddamn Dodgers. Yeah, You and put they, them against the Brewers or the Braves, they're winning that. I could make the argument they'd beat every single other team besides the Dodgers if they were to lose, and they still might win. They, I mean, they did it all year, right? Like, And I know the postseason is a different beast, but they've shown already that they're built for the postseason. I think we've already seen enough to believe that they are built for the postseason, even if they drop the next two. Like, they took the Dodgers to the brink, and I still think that they can easily win this series. And, you know, obviously, they're, they have the leg up right now, even as we're talking, even though they're losing game four. They're still in a position of success, and they've got the Dodgers going. Would you be going, surprised if the Giants came back and won this game today? Not at all. <laughs> And they have, they have, you know, they forced the Dodgers to go to Bueller on short rest. Uh, but the one thing I'll say too about what the Giants have been able to do, and I think what's so impressive about it, and, and the difference between them and the Rays is the experienced guys on the Rays are, and not to slight them, I mean, he was fantastic and came up in big spots, but the veteran on the Rays is Kevin Kiermeyer and and Mike Zanino, um, and and those that those are their veteran guys. Maybe I'm missing somebody. Your veterans on the Giants are Buster Posey, future Hall of Famer. It's it's champion Brandon Belt, like I said, and champion Brandon Crawford. Like those are your vets there, not to mention some of the other guys. So that's where I see it. It's just the combination of experience and guys that are just, you know, coming up and just starting to break through is awesome. And they're just the perfectly constructed roster. The the veteran you were uh, didn't mention was Nelson Cruz, who, oh, of course, of course, I mean, he hit 176 in the series. He was really disappointing. And when has he ever won anything? Remember when on the twins just getting washed? Yeah. And just not to, not to, you know, not to call him Bill Buckner, but you know, that, uh, that Rangers ordeal uh, was not great. Not great losing that world series, but you know, he disappointed me. He was a big get for them. Uh, I was really excited about that acquisition. He thought he would be a big part, a big piece for them there. And, and he really was not a factor in this series whatsoever. I almost forgot he was there. I just, I'm looking at the box score, like freaking Wander Franco at 368 in the series. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on. This is the Yankees question. If the Yankees could grab anyone on the market this offseason, who should they go for? Shortstop, pitcher, question mark. Asked by at Yeezus is Jesus. Great name, by the way. I, I could give my answer. But I'd like to hear yours. Uh, I could just give you my answer. First. What, what do you want? We're going to say the same. Ready? Three, two, one. Corey Seager. Corey Seager. Yeah. Corey Seager, people. Yep. I want an experienced playoff guy who rakes in the playoffs. Lefty. Also lefty. I want a lefty. 
He can he's handle the best safe. defender at shortstop. He's good enough, but he's good enough. You had Glaber there for God's sake. We had Glaber there for God's sakes. You move Glaber over to second, and he's looked much, mm-hmm. much better. Yeah. Then you have DJ at third, and you have Corey Seager, and whatever combination. I don't know what they're going to do at first, frankly, with Anthony Rizzo, Luke Voigt. I don't know really what they're going to do. They'll figure it out, though. But what do you do with Geo? I mean, maybe you put DJ at first. Is that crazy? No, I just like, did Geo have a one or two good years offensively? And that's maybe what he gave us. Can you rely on him to be healthy? And it's like, I like Urshel a lot. I just, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, I watched this guy all year. He was a hole. Yeah, he was. He was a hole in the lineup. Yeah. He was banged up. From a third baseman. And yeah, he's a fantastic defender. But there are other gloves. And I've said this before, and I hate to say that because I genuinely do like Gio Urshela. And he was fantastic in 2020. But at that point, you might as well just go get Matt Chapman. <laughs> like, I, I mean, and it doesn't even stop at shortstop. I know we said Corey Seager, but I mean, the Yankees going to continue to roll out with Gary Sanchez and Kyle Gashioka? No. They can, and I think we have the starting pitching depth. We have a, we have a good amount of outfielders in the pipeline. I like the pitch. You got to get Corey Seager, and he's going to cost a lot of money. But that's your guy, and and everyone wants Correa, and I get Correa is probably, probably the better player, but yeah. he's a righty, and he's another one of these Astros who the Yankee <laughs> fans I don't even think are really will really like as no, a dude in general. Yeah, would he even want to play for the Yankees? Who knows with that guy? Corey Seager, big market, been there. World Series MVP comes from Los Angeles, comes to the New York Yankees, and they win a championship in 2028. <laughs> I could see it. I, I like Seeger. I think you maybe sign one veteran starter on the low, like a Kluber. Type. Can I just we have Charlie Morton. I want yeah. him. Yep. Well, he's gone now. Sorry. That that would be a perfect guy for the Yankees, but unfortunately, Braves extended him. I I, know. I like it. Maybe trade for Wayno. Um just offer them Down. Dominguez for Wayno. Do the Cardinals yeah. still say, no, he needs his farewell tour here. Like, what do the Cardinals do? <laughs> I also was another free, agent, another free agent that I thought was sort of interesting. Would Clayton Kershaw be a good pitcher for the Yankees? I think so. Why Dodgers not? are not going to want to pay him. Uh, maybe they will. Could be interesting. I, I think he might walk. I think he might walk. I could see the Red Sox going to get Kershaw. They need That's starting. the thing. The Red Sox are going to go get Kershaw. Will the Yankees hear of that and be like, you know what? We got to get this guy. Yep. It'll be fun. I'm excited. I think this is going to be a really fun uh, free agency. And I know we're, we're going to do a lot of things covering it on, on justbaseball.com. So that'll Pretty be a blast. Fun. But yeah, we know the Yankees are going to do something. Um, and then they're going to be in on everybody. Uh, but I would put my money on Seager. I, I, I really could see Seager and pinstripes. So this next question is asked by at Cameron.Efrig. He says, just talk about the NLCS and if the Brewers have it or the Braves, sorry, have a chance against the Giants or the Dodgers if they win today. Also, you should talk about the Phillies just because. So first, we'll answer the Braves question. Do the Braves have a shot against the Giants or the Dodgers? Let's go through it. Starting pitching. Let's let's say the Dodgers, because if they can't beat the Dodgers, they probably won't beat the Giants. Is that fair? Or should we compare them to the Giants because they probably won't beat the Dodgers. I don't think they'll be the team. You can compare them to either. Well, let's go through it. Let's just go through the Dodgers because those are the big names. Starting pitching. Max Scherzer, Julio Arias, and Walker Bueller versus Max Freed, Charlie Morton, 
and Ian Anderson. You'd say Dodgers, but it's not as outlandish as people think, but I think we'd lean Dodgers. Of course, yeah. Offense. I don't want to mess with the Braves' offense right now. No, I don't. But, you know, I'm, I'm still leaning Dodgers. Dodgers. And then, you know, this is the big differentiator here, right? Like, this is the big differentiator here. The bullpens. The bullpens you're talking it's about? Not, the damn it's bullpens. not even... It's but not. the thing is, you were the one who said go with the Braves because their bullpen has been so good. I called Will Smith my X Factor and he yeah. just closed it out. And it worked. It worked. They beat the Brewers. But will it work against the Los Angeles Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants offense? You just faced a bad offense in the bad. Milwaukee Brewers. Bad. And not they're not a bad offense. They've just been playing so bad. Over the last overall, I mean, you go through the lineup, it's still a good offense. They still make the playoffs, but a bad playoff offense, you're about to go face. You're about to go face the Avengers. Yep. (laughs) Literally the Avengers. I think, you know, Morton can hold his own. I think Anderson, they saw him twice in the playoffs last year. They got to him the second time. So I'm a little bit wary of that one. Freed has been spectacular. Dodgers aren't that great off lefties. You know, I really think it's just going to come down to how how can these bats perform, especially against the relievers? Can Freddie Freeman come up big against these really tough relievers? Can Albies, can some of these other players really be effective against high velo effective relievers? That's going to be the question because I think the Braves could match them with the starters. They could make it happen. Uh, but, I mean, especially after how Scherzer looked last outing, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And we'll- we won't give a prediction yet, just like we didn't for Astros and Red no, Sox, because we're going to do a special episode with all of our championship series predictions and then new World Series picks because your White Sox lost and my Rays lost. So we're in the same boat. The last question asked by at Eli Sussman. Top five players you want to see get their first ring this postseason. Yeah, But now it's limited to, let's say, well, obviously we're limiting it to the Braves, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Astros, and the Red Sox. Yeah, I got three guys. Let's let's just go back and forth instead of like a top five, because this, hard to rank them. Yeah, no. It's just I want them or I don't. Yeah. I want Freddie to get a ring. Yeah, come on. I want Freddie Freeman to get a goddamn ring. Guy earned it. Earned it. Earned it. it. He needs one. And... He's 32. Like, he's like, 32. Give he's him a goddamn have, ring. He's not going to the ring. Giants. Is it bad to say that I want Logan Webb to get a ring? <laughs> <laughs> I want him to cap off the season with a goddamn ring. He's 24. I know. He's been waiting too long, man. Logan Webb has been carrying this team. I just want him to get a ring. I think that'd be sick. That was like probably you could have given me 45 guesses. That would have been, I don't think he makes the top 45. Guesses. I know. I just love him. I really like him. And I want him to get I'm a in. ring. I'm in. I'm in. Get Disco a ring too. Former Marlon legend. You All know right, who mine is? Me too. Okay. I know. And this is a little bit of cheating because, because this was given to us by Eli, but Zach Granke. So sick. I love Zach Ranke. Like, please get this man a ring. He's been dealing for millenniums at like 86 miles an hour now. But my big one, my big one, and I know people are going to hate this because of the team he plays for. And I'm sorry, but Michael freaking Brantley. Michael freaking Brantley is raked forever, as we talked about. And you know what pulls on my heartstrings a little bit? He got to the World Series once, technically, with Cleveland, a 
Cleveland team that wasn't good. <coughs> they finally get in, and he's hurt that whole season. It was yeah. that World Series against the Cubs. And you know what? Not to take anything away from the Cubs, because you win fair and square, and they probably had some injuries too. I don't remember. Michael Brantley with the Indians in that series, they might win it. He could be the difference of one game. Legitimately could be the difference of one game. That being said, imagine getting so close, almost breaking their own dry spell of World Series years. I think it was 60-something, right, and still going. And you don't get to do anything. And you were basically their best player for the previous five years plus. I want to see Brantley get it. He's so damn good. You never hear a bad thing about the guy, too. He just goes about his business. He's a pro's pro and just such a good hitter. I, that would be a nice consolation prize, given that I won't be thrilled at the Astros winning. If that, if that, and it's the problem. It's like with, with this question. I mean, it's a great question, but the problem with it is that a lot of guys in this playoffs, Already a have, lot of them have rings. Yeah, that's like the problem. It's like, oh, like do you want? I don't know. Like do you want Max Scherzer to get a ring? Like yeah, but he got one. He got one already. Euler, Seeger. I mean, even a guy like Trey Turner. Yeah, he's got one. Like. I'm I'm trying to rack my brain. And that's why I was like, I, I came up with the Logan Webb answer because I was like, is it, is it a question of who's been in the big so long and finally deserves one? Or is it like literally my five guys that I want to see with a ring on their hand, regardless of how long they've been in the big leagues? Yeah, I, I get that's totally fair. So speaking of which my final big, big time guy, Darren Ruff. Yeah, <laughs> I need Darren Ruff to get a ring, bro. He's been around long enough. He's done enough for this team. 262 at-bats this year at 2.9 war. Uh, B-war uh, per baseball reference. He's 35. My man is not getting any younger. I, I like I like seeing Darren Ruff getting a ring. You know already, who needs a ring? It. You know who needs a ring? And this guy has just been on. He was just on a bad team. Like it, He finally got it to a contender. Adam Duvall needs a ring. <laughs> Bring my boy Adam. That was, he was a triple A like two years ago. He had to deal yeah. with the Marlins. He had to be get a- my boy Adam Duvall a ring and get my other ball Camillo Duvall Doval a ring too. Yeah, he's waited long enough. Yeah, he's only twenty four, and Logan Webb also twenty four. He's waited twenty four years for a ring. That's a yes, lot of years. A lot of years. Adam Duvall, that's a good one. He deserves it. Well, as we wrap up, the Dodgers are still beating the Giants 2-0 to zero in the top of the fourth inning. That's at ArmLayton8 on Twitter. I am at PeterApple23. Give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram at JustBaseballFans. On Twitter at JustBBMedia. If you prefer watching the podcast on YouTube, we have a YouTube at JustBaseballMedia. You'll be seeing me Twitch stream today. At 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Arm, you going to hop in the Twitch stream? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I'm hopping yeah. We're going to see our, mo- our boy Jack McMullen. He's in town. He's in New York. Jack He's McMullen's in town. He might and be on we'll the be Twitch speaking, stream. And we'll, be, and we'll be speaking with him on Friday. I, I, he better stop by and come, to, come into the stream. I mean, he's literally staying like right by there. Which, by well, the, I, I see willingly staying in that area. I, yeah, I agree. In the middle right. of Manhattan. He said, I asked him where he's staying. He said, by Grand Central. It's like, are you sleeping on the street? Where are <laughs> you sleeping? Like, you, you I have, my couch is open, man. Like, you're welcome to crash here. Like, are you all right? Uh, but no, also ratings are so cool. And yeah. it's been so awesome to see those pour in. And if you enjoy this show, 
uh, please leave a rating. It really helps us a lot with visibility. And uh, it's also really cool to get some feedback from y'all. And we'll be back on Friday. And thank you, everybody.